0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is sponsored by June Shine, a delicious kombucha based adult beverage that many people are turning to in lieu of beer or spiked sparkly drinks. June Shine is better for you alcohol and there's a reason it's becoming so popular. It's made with only real organic ingredients and unlike many alcoholic beverages, they are transparent about every ingredient they put in their products. It's brewed with real organic ingredients, has only three grams of sugar, making it low carb, and full of probiotics. Best of all, it doesn't leave you with that I'm too full after drinking feeling, and it gives you a lighter, brighter buzz. Juneshine is sustainably produced. They are 100% carbon neutral. They donate 1% of all sales to environmental nonprofits. Their brewery is powered by 100% renewable solar, and they plant trees for all those used to make their boxes. And now they deliver straight to your door. I've worked out a special deal just for you. Receive 20% off plus free shipping site-wide. I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs. It's a great way to sample all their flavors. Go to juneshine.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama at checkout to claim this deal. So again, that's j-u-n-e-s-h-i-n-e dot com slash wellnessmama. You can also find them at over 10,000 stores across the country, including Whole Foods, Safeway, Kroger, and Publix. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive a company very near and dear to my heart, as I have seen the difference firsthand that their products make with my own family. And I've heard from so many of you sharing your positive experiences as well. I truly love all of their products, but I have to highlight a few that I love especially much. Their breakthrough award-winning probiotic is hands down the best one I've tried. It contains a proprietary strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants directly in the digestive system where they can be best absorbed by your body. These are also heat-stable probiotics, meaning they can actually survive the harsh environment of your digestive system and get where they're supposed to go. Their K27 is the first all-natural, pharmaceutical-grade K27 that supplies the optimal recommended dose for heart, bone, and tooth health. I'm also currently obsessed with their prebiotic drink, which tastes like a delicious tropical drink and it creates a noticeable improvement in my digestion. And another quick tip, their probiotic is heat stable, so I can easily add it to smoothies and even baked goods for my little ones who aren't great at swallowing pills yet. These are some of the only supplements I take with me when I travel, and I recommend them to friends and family all the time. Check out all of their products at justthrivehealth.com. Forward slash wellness mama and use the code wellnessmama fifteen to save fifteen percent on everything. So that's J-U-S T T-H-R-I-V-E H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash wellness mama and the code Wellness Mama. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And in this episode, I go deep on plastics, environmentalism, and so much more, especially the lie of recycling, effective composting, and how we actually reduce and get rid of our plastic exposure. I am here with Matt Bertulli, who is actually a software engineer that reluctantly turned into an entrepreneur and marketer, and who is obsessed with reducing garbage and waste. He's dedicating his time to removing waste from the human experience, and we talk about a couple specific ways that he's doing that today, but we also go deep on why recycling is the biggest lie of the last 50 years, the reason that most plastic never gets recycled, why the vast majority of plastic never could be recycled, the worst offenders when it comes to this, and why waste is one of the biggest opportunities of the next few decades. Shocking research on recycling being a marketing campaign from the oil industry, the two-prong approach to actually solving this problem, and what the future of innovation looks like in this area. We also talk about a product he has called Lomi, which is a rapid home composter that tackles food waste that I am really excited to try with my family. So we go in a lot of different directions. I learned a lot, and this was a fun conversation. So let's join Matt. Matt, welcome. Thanks for being here.
1: No, thanks for having me.
0: I am so excited to chat with you today because I have been writing about the problems with um, disposable plastic use for over a decade now. And I know there's so many directions that we can go in this, but I think I want to jump in with one of the more controversial points that I have in my show notes, which is the idea that recycling is the biggest lie of the last 50 years. And I know this is important to what we're going to talk about today as well, but uh, can you explain that statement? Yeah.
1: Yeah. This might take a while. I mean, we can do the short version of this or the long version. (laughs) Look, it's, I say this, I've said this before. It usually gets people a little perked up because the blue box is something that people feel really proud of using. Right. So when they, I think it's a blue box where you are too. It is where I am. Yeah. Where we put in, you know, we put our plastic, our paper, our, you know, some places it's metals, glass, whatever you put in the blue box and, you know, you feel really good because it goes away and it gets turned into something new. But the reality is that you know, paper is probably the most recycled. I think it's like 68% of all paper product can be recycled or is, but plastic, it's like 10% or less actually gets recycled. So we're sold as consumers, we're sold this idea that we're, we're doing our part. We are putting things where they should go. But what's happening behind the scenes is those things never get to where they should go and the real truth and the reason i say it's a lie is the vast majority of plastic that we buy and use in a given day as consumers is not ever going to get recycled it can't be right you know the, the the example i give people is the pringles can like that thing is like the worst invention for waste ever is a Pringles chip it, yeah, there's paper there's plastic and there's steel all in one convenient little tube that we, we I like Pringles, so I get it. And that thing will never be recycled. It is like, it just gets thrown away. So you can throw it in the blue bin all you want, right? But those waste, ma- like waste management companies are never actually recycling those. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen, I know you've probably seen this, but like there's tons of stories now coming out from all over the world on just how broken recycling actually is. Right, and and I think most people don't know. You know, I think a lot of people are starting to tune in and realize that, like, yeah, most recycling actually rounds up either being burned or thrown in landfill, even though you put it in the right place as an individual. Right, so that's yeah, I think it's the best PR marketing campaign Big Oil ever produced. Like, by a mile, it was. It's absolutely brilliant. It was. I think it came out actually recently. Last year, I believe the new the news story broke that recycling was actually created by the oil industry to get people to feel good about plastic. The whole thing was was a PR stunt, like not even a stunt; it was a campaign, multi decade campaign. It's so impressive.
0: <laughs> wow, that's terrifying and impressive that they were able to pull that off. I know in our area, it came out a while back that there was a company that was picking up recycling because it's not a public service here, and. It eventually, was discovered they were just p- having people pay to pick up their recycling and then taking it to the landfill. Apparently, is way more common than expected.
1: Uh, absolutely, we did that in Canada. It's in Canada. It's actually a public service here, so like it's on, it's part of our taxes. And I think uh, last year, one of our newspapers they put tracking units in three different, uh, like you know, cons- like you know, what happens with recycling is it all gets bundled up right? And then once it's picked up, it's sorted and bundled up, but they actually put little GPS trackers in the bundles and wanted to see where they wound up. And they did this with three different waste management companies. And two of the waste management companies took the recycling to just be incinerated.
0: Wow. Well, and I think the thing here is like people are well-intentioned. I I think another note I have for you is like, you know, we all are starting to understand the problem with plastic use and especially overuse, which we are Seeing at a worldwide scale, and everybody wants to, like you said, feel like they're doing their part. So it's kind of sobering to realize, like, this is not actually happening. But then that leads to the question of, like, I guess, A, like, what are the problems we're going to continue to see because this is not happening? And B, what can we do about it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, waste is like, I love waste. I think waste is just represents one of the greatest opportunities of the next 10, 20, 30 years to actually do something meaningful. You know, like the whole world, we, we've never been more divided. And one of those things that divides a lot of people is this concept of climate change, right, which is also like just terrible marketing. But, you know, what I don't like about climate change as a broad conversation is it centers on this concept of carbon, right, and, you know, CO2 and, or methane or all kinds of greenhouse gases. And the issue is nobody can touch and feel these things. So nobody really understands them like consumers individuals like we i like i i work in this space and i still have a hard time explaining carbon to people but waste however waste is something that like we all take out every week right like we all take the trash out every single week in most places you know sometimes it's every two weeks it's tactile right if it piles up we see it if it's at landfills we see it if it's on our beaches or in our oceans we see it so waste is something that like i believe that humanity can actually rally around. Like I have yet to meet a freaking person that would argue in favor of throwing more plastic in the ocean. Like I've not met one of those people. You can you can find a whole lot of people that will argue over climate change. But you will not find a human beings like, you know, what we should do more plastic in the ocean. That sounds like a great idea. Right? So like to me it's individuals where there's opportunity. And and I, I think this is like, it's the favorite part of waste is, and I know you're a big fan of this. It's like, there are so many ways that you can actually reduce your waste without ever feeling like you sacrifice anything. That's the other part of climate change. I absolutely hate is like, we're told as individuals that we have a personal carbon footprint and that we have to stop traveling and stop driving. And it's all sacrifice-based. Whereas I feel like it, you know, the waste that you produce in a home doesn't need to be sacrifice-based. Like, it doesn't mean stop consuming. It doesn't mean, you know, give up your comforts in your life. It's actually probably quite the opposite. Like, there's so much you can do to buy better product, right? Different product, uh, different ways to consume that are not sacrificial. And I, I love it. I think waste is just, is magic. I think it's the best area for us to focus on.
0: That's exciting to hear you say, because I think you're right. It's something people have an awareness of, but I don't know that most people think of it from an opportunity standpoint.
1: Sure. Imagine if waste is the thing that unites everybody. Like I I joke, we joke internally in our company. It's like, could you just imagine if garbage is the thing that brings people together? Because it's, it's like death and garbage, man. It's the two things that human beings have in common. It's not death and taxes. Not everybody pays taxes. Everybody dies and everybody throws stuff out.
0: Well, okay, so I want to go deeper into this because I've written before, like I said, about plastic, both from the health perspective and how damaging. Oh yeah, it's huge. And then also from the environmental perspective, when we know there's these like floating islands of plastic the size of states, and that it's saturated the oceans, and now we're finding it under forty feet of ice in the Antarctic. So this is a like worldwide global problem that.
1: Yeah, it's in your fish. Like if you eat fish, it's in the food supply. They found microplastic in raindrops, like it's you're literally raining plastic.
0: Wow. So, I mean, that brings the question, like, what can we actually do about it at that point?
1: I mean, at that point, so like, look, there's, there's two kind of tracks that all things environmental have to go on. One is you actually, at some point we have to start stopping things at the source. So like, how much do we produce? You know, that's where business and government does come in. Consumers have to choose to consume less plastic. So like, are there ways to, you know, swap out? And I know you've written on this I know you've talked about it. Like there's so many ways that you can swap plastic out of your life in a home, whether that's the bathroom, the kitchen, toys, there's so many places that like, like in our home, like I have a six-year-old daughter, I'm not as nuts as you are. I only have one child and we have like, we have almost no plastic toys, right? So like all of our toys for our kid have always been wood, you know, as like as natural as possible. You definitely lose some of the, the cool toys, but you know, kids have crazy imaginations. So, like I don't feel like she's lost, she's missed out on life. But I think that you go room by room in a house, you can find a lot of plastic as a consumer. And then businesses just need to, and they are like the largest consumer goods companies in the world are moving away from single use plastic or like the way I term it high velocity plastic where there's lots of it. So think like grocery stores, department stores, that kind of stuff, packaging uh, like Amazon boxes, they're all investing and moving away from single use plastic. They, They totally are. That's the future. So that's stopping at the source. The second part is like, what do you do with all the plastic that's already in the world? And that is a way harder task, right? Like we're not getting rid of it. That's the the fun thing about plastic. And I'm sure everybody has heard this at some point. Like every single ounce of plastic ever made still exists today. And it will for hundreds of years, no matter how many times you make it into something new or you try to, it is not going away gracefully right plastic has no graceful end of life the best you can hope for is it gets back and it gets a second life or a third life and we've already proven that that doesn't work very well i'm i'm super bullish in it in that i i believe that very quickly we're going to cut off the source or as much of it as possible but i think the harsh reality is there's a lot of it in the world still and it's it's just going to it's going to be around for a while like there is no magic place that it can go You can't turn it back into dirt. It's not, it's maybe we can make roads. Like I've seen people take old plastic and like they actually make asphalt, like, you know, building infrastructure, insulation, stuff like that. That's way more long-term usage instead of like short-term high velocity. Everybody likes to focus on straws and water bottles, but there's so much high velocity plastic in the world, like uses of it. And that's what big oil companies love. They love the high velocity stuff. It's used and thrown away in hours.
0: And I don't know if this is true or not, but to your point about stopping it at the source, I read somewhere that even if all humans individually recycled 100% of everything that they, which we just talked about is not going to happen anyway, that would still only be a very small percentage of actual plastic because it's these massive corporate companies. And so even if we all like did our part, quote unquote, we wouldn't be making a very big dent.
1: No, you really wouldn't. I know that's the the funny thing for us, I guess, a company. I, I don't know when it was, maybe it was three years ago. Do you remember the big push on straws? everybody was like losing their minds about plastic straws. I, I saw something at one point which was like if you took all the plastic straws in a given year and stuck them in in shipping containers, it would be like just a handful of them. like the number of actual like 40foot shipping containers full of straws for all of humanity, it was like you could count them. Like it really wasn't that much plastic. it was it was such an inconsequential amount that it was almost laughable in environmental circles. What it was was like it was a nice talking point. It was a great news headline, you know. It gave something people could say no to easily, at like restaurants when somebody asked you, like, "Do you want a straw?" You could say no. Although now with the whole pandemic, single-use plastic usage was up like five hundred percent year over year. So it's, it's been the best year ever for plastic manufacturers because everything went back to single-use. Airlines, like, have you flown in this whole thing? It's like everything that they had done to get rid of single use, it's all back.
0: Yeah, And like back to the extreme, it's like everything's in plastic with plastic lids and plastic bag. All of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 We're so terrified now of germs. Like everything is in plastic. So, you know, it, it is like, there's only so much that people can do. It's not to say that people can't do anything. I also don't believe in that narrative that when it comes to social and environmental issues, they are just the problems of of government and big business, like I don't believe that. I think there's actually a lot of power in doing little things as individuals. Like number one, you feel good. Number two, you're also teaching your kids something really, really important, right? Like the re- the reality is it's probably not you and I that's doing much for the world. It's gonna be our kids, <laughs> right? It, it's like that's the ultimate leverage is, is it's your children. So, you know, I, I think that people just need to realize like you can do little bits, you can do something but you are right big business for sure has a massive burden on their shoulders and how they how we sort of encourage or force them to change is the big question right people have a lot of power there too
0: yeah let's talk about that a little bit because it's like we've it doesn't take a lot of research to figure out what a widespread problem this is and yeah. the statistics of what we're facing if it doesn't change but what does changing that actually look like
1: oh i mean like cust so the only time we ever talk about voting Is when there's an election. But like, I think people, a lot of people don't realize you vote every day, every time you buy something. You know, like if you really like you want Coca-Cola to stop making plastic bottles, stop buying them. Nothing will force Coke to, to change faster than if their consumer, who who is what pays them, shows up and says no more. Like government can't do it. Right? Nope, nobody can make a company change quicker than than money can, (laughs) right? Like that the whole world works on one economic system, right? Like like the Western world, at least, you know? And I think that that's where people actually, it doesn't feel like it. I don't, I think in a moment, a lot of times, but when you spend a dollar, you are absolutely voting for how you would like the world to work. So the more that you can direct your individual dollars as a person, it cumulatively, like it really matters right and you're seeing this in the like snack space right now i know it's it's like complete it but like organic and healthy better for you options are growing so fast in the u.s and to the point where like old companies like mars pepsi coca-cola all these guys that peddle in sugar <laughs> like high, high fructose corn syrup they're all buying the health companies because those guys are eating market share now, the only reason they're doing that is because the consumer's showing up and saying, I don't want to put this shit in my body anymore. I, I, I swear like a trucker. So I'm going to do my best not to. <laughs> so it's the problem with being Canadian. <laughs> so I think like people, people have so much power and the more they realize it. Yeah. I think that it creates this snowball effect, you know, like, and, and you probably have people in your audience that are very switched onto this. You know, and they, and they do everything they possibly can because they, in some sense of them, it makes them feel good for sure. And then it makes them feel even better that they know that they're the ones that they're actually forcing change. It didn't, and it didn't require a picket sign, no protesting, you know, no big sacrifices. All they did was just spend their dollar in a different way.
0: Absolutely. I definitely hear from readers and listeners who are even much better than I am in that world and they're completely zero waste. But I think a lot of people listening are somewhere on that spectrum of trying to make these changes. And and I've said for years that moms are one of the most powerful forces on the planet for creating.
1: Changes. Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: Because like you said already, we're it's our kids who are going to also help in the future, but also we control so much of those dollars. The purchasing power of moms as a collective has the power to change these within a decade.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the I th- I think it is the most powerful force in consumerism is moms. No question. You know, there's lots of ways that like economists love to slice and dice that. But yeah, you talk to anybody in any family household, and it's typically her that controls the the majority of spend for the home. And if you and then if you look at waste in particular, like, yeah, there's a lot of waste in fashion for sure. You know, so like what you wear every day, men and women, right. That there's a lot of waste in the fashion industry, but high velocity waste, like really high velocity waste. That's all in the home. That's what you wrap your food in. And it's what gets shipped to the house via e-com whatever. Right. And that is largely like in my house, 98% of all household spending is my wife. Like easy. I may get consulted every now and again but it's highly unlikely.
0: So, okay. Let's define terms a little bit more. You've mentioned high velocity plastic waste. Can you kind of define what falls in that category versus like other types of plastic that are more longer use? I know you mentioned like it can be even used in home building now and we're seeing some there, but
1: totally. Yeah. Like a good form of a good use of plastic. Cause this is it like plastics, not evil plastics actually on, on, like if you were to just look at plastic, it is what has enabled a lot of modern society to exist. Right. Uh, best example I can give you is an automobile, like any kind of car, the fuel efficiency of a car and the ability for it to go as far as it does right now on a tank of gas is because at some point we started using plat- more plastic in the car than we did metals and that strength to weight ratio changed dramatically, right? Which means the cars got way lighter and that is a great use to plastic. You know, it's going to last a long time. You know, high velocity to me is like any plastic that you're buying. That's going to be thrown away in under three months. You know, so that could be from a plastic water bottle. That's like, you drink it, it's gone. So it's super fast, you know, in seconds in some cases, but like all your food packaging, meat trays, all the stuff that you get at sports stadiums, those are all like super high velocity waste streams, right? There's just tons of it and there's more and more all the time
0: are there, or is there a horizon for more sustainable alternatives to things like that? Cause also like obviously plastic, convenient totally. product. And so that's why it's used so often. Is there a future where there's more sustainable options for these?
1: Yeah, I, I, I like this, the whole purpose of our company. And like, um, I've dedicated the rest of my working life to this is like, I just think that I, I believe, and, and there is like the material science is there now, right? So there's biodegradable compostable options. It's It is advancing at an alarming pace. You know, so like rewind two years ago, and it would have been really hard to make a lot of product uh, out of something compostable. And now you have companies, like there's a company out of Arizona called Footprint. They make, it's like a pressed paper material. Uh, It's really innovative and like they've done incredibly well, but they're making like, like meat trays, you know, like the styrofoam that is usually in a grocery store, like in a meat, meat section. making those they're doing like all those to-go food containers like salad bowls and like the stuff that you would get your uber eats order in and they are and they just did a deal i think the entire phoenix suns stadium is going to be switching over to footprints products which means that whole stadium has just ditched single-use plastic in all of their products so these kinds of companies they're not only are they in existence now but they're scaling at an incredible rate. I know Unilever is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on this. Pepsi, with, there's Danimer Scientific. Like there's so many companies it' working on better materials that have like what, what we at Peeler call just a graceful end of life, right? Like they can be turned back into something like dirt is the ultimately like you want everything to go back to the earth, right? If we can make more dirt, that is a huge win. Like that's carbon capture. That's less waste. That's a lot of things. So, the world is moving in that direction. A lot of consumers may not realize this, but like it's happening. And over the next five to 10 years, like I wouldn't be surprised to see most grocery stores have significant chunks of what you're buying. The packaging is going to be compostable, biodegradable, right? That's it's the whole reason we made uh, Lomi was like, we need to give, we need to make sure that people have a place to put this stuff, not just food, but like all these compostable packaging things. Where do they go? Like not everybody has green bins and compost at home. And like, they don't have the ability to throw that stuff away. Right. So like, I do think that there's a future where it's less wasteful, waste free, like zero waste. I would love that. I just think that's so hard. And it's such a, it's a lofty goal. I think it's a really cool lofty goal, but like, I like to call it waste free. It's like, can you create a world that is waste free? you know and that like there's circular there's a bunch of stuff there but it's it's going to happen for sure it's going to happen there's hope
0: yeah you're right and it's exciting to see how quickly that's changing like with our company wellness we use biodegradable sugarcane bioplastic yep um which a couple of years ago was so extremely difficult to get. It's still a lot more expensive than traditional plastic, but that needle is starting to move. And at least it's available yeah. now, whereas it wasn't in the past. And I think like, I'd love to hear more about your company as well, because I know you've innovated in two different areas here to help oh, yeah. different directions. So kind of give us an overview for anybody who's not familiar with you guys.
1: Yeah. So Pila, uh, so we started out, we may actually made a compostable phone case was our first product. So we're a materials like we're a material science company. So we, like I have a bunch of like uh, biology people, chemists, um, hardware engineers, like just a lot of nerds. Uh, I'm a software engineer. So we work on how do you design waste out of goods in the first place? So what you're talking about with your products, which by the way, I love your toothpaste. Thank you. Seth sent me one and I'm like, this is really good toothpaste. So, you know, that, that kind of material science where you take like high velocity, single use plastics, or like non-obvious sources of waste, and can you make them out of a new age of material? That's what PILA does, right? Now, as PILA was getting bigger and bigger, and um, I think we're about 80 employees right now, a few years ago, what we realized was people actually have nowhere to put a lot of these biodegradable compostable materials. So like, if all of a sudden Amazon, changed all of their plastic fill in their boxes, you know, those like bubble mailers and stuff, to compostable, where would people put that? Like throwing that in the landfill is terrible, right? Because it just makes more methane, that's not great. Commercial compost facilities aren't common, particularly in the U.S. Even, you know, most of the world, they're not common. So the second thing that we made was this product called Lomi, right? And Lomi is just, is the first of its kind. It's, It's effectively a, kitchen countertop composter is the best way I would describe this. Like it can take in your food and home compostable plastics and turn them into dirt while you sleep. So instead of throwing away food or these other materials, you actually just make dirt that you can go throw in your garden. And in an average house, like 70% of your waste is food. At least it is in my house, you know? So like, solving like you know as a company we just we like to the way we describe ourselves is like we're trying to design waste out of the human experience right so i'm really focused on waste i just i love the topic
0: it's exciting for me to hear you talk about that being a great place for opportunity and i'm hopeful that you're right that we're going to see massive shifts in this in the next couple of decades especially
1: you totally will and I, i you know i think it's 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 companies like footprint pila like there's so many even you guys like Every time a business opts to, to use this kind of material, right, that's another vote. And that's telling the, the like, the resin maker. So you got to think, like, all packaging, all products, at some point, starts off as, like, these little tiny pellets with, like, just resin, you know, and then that gets formed into goods that we know, right? Like, my, my boom here, like, this is just plastic molded resin. So, you know, your toothpaste tubes, that's just molded resin of some kind. You know, yours is coming from a sugarcane source Our our materials that we use. A lot of the times they're corn based or hemp based. There's so many sources that you can like actually make materials from. And it, it, this is a fascinating topic for people to dig into because it is like, I believe there's tons of business opportunity here too. You know, like I get asked all the time, like, how do I help? Like I'm an entrepreneur. What do I do? I'm like, go focus on waste. Like all, like, it's just such a huge cat. It's like waste management alone is like two and a half trillion dollars a year just picking up and throwing things away, let alone like packaging and all the rest of it. You know, so we've just been super focused on this idea of like, how do you design better things that just don't have waste in them? And then Lomi is like the, think of it like Tesla home charging infrastructure, you know, like Tesla put a home, a charger in everybody's home or gave you the option to, we're putting a little compost facility in everybody's kitchen. And dealing with food, food is like the most disgusting form of waste. It's just smelly and gross. And I, I hate it so much.
0: <laughs> I'm so excited for Lomi. I cannot wait to try it out. And I think another important piece of this that you've mentioned a couple of times is like, we're seeing this change because consumers are demanding this change and they're voting with their dollars. And I have hear people get angry when they're like, oh, this great natural company got bought by this massive company. And isn't that horrible? And I'm like, well, Maybe not, because in order for this to change, like we're talking about, we all can make a change in our own life, certainly, but also we need these massive companies to start changing. So the fact that we have big companies paying attention and buying these natural companies means they're starting to pay attention. And that's where the big change is going to happen. Because like we talked about, we could change every single thing in our daily lives, and it's barely a drop in the bucket. Whereas if Procter & Gamble makes a massive change, that is a huge environmental shift overnight.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, like, this is it. It's totally... I think there are certain big companies that have zero desire to change, right? But I th- I think we're in a world right now, at least in the conversations. Like, and we talk to people at, at Procter and Gamble. That's a good example, right? Like, we've we have conversation with them, and there is desire. You know, like they they see that the future is going this way. Now, there. This is why I believe that like business and capitalism actually can be a pretty significant chunk of the of the solution here. Because if, if the consumer is demanding it and the shareholder is putting pressure on the board and the board of these big companies is putting pressure on the executives, that is where change is going to come from at a significant scale. You know, like we don't, the world doesn't need you guys, as an example, to, to fix the toothpaste and, and uh, oral care problems or bath care or all of it, personal care, right? We need Colgate. To switch their packaging over to this and crest and like all now, there's a whole bunch of other problems with their product, sure. But from a waste perspective, you're a hundred percent right. The leverage is in these large multinationals and what they can do. So it, it it's a it's really tricky. Like, man, there's certain companies that I just despise them because they don't ever want to change. But then I also know oil company executives who are some of the biggest investors in in renewable energy. Right. And they're super bullish on it in 50 years. Like, you know, so it it's I think we I, I I would advise everybody that like the best path forward is probably to to not be so critical immediately of other people and companies and start thinking of like collaboration as really a path forward. I know it sounds kind of hokey and maybe it's just the Canadian in me, but like, I almost, I just, thought like, can't we all just get along and like really just talk this out. Right. And these big companies are at least the ones we talk to. And we talk to a lot of them because they come to us looking for help to make this kind of product. Right. And we're really good at it. And they, there's genuine interest. Like we really engage and we're engaging very high up the food chain. This isn't like, Like the the new employee at P and G who's doing this, like you're getting attention from executives and C suites and people who actually can make a difference.
0: Yeah, it's there's not a dichotomy there. It's a both and, not an either or. We need the change from all fronts.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. I know. I, I and I believe that the more folks like you talk about this, that have a platform, the more people will realize that like when they do see a PepsiCo is investing in compostable packaging, and they just did like. Last year Pepsi did a big investment, I think like I think it was last year. Maybe it was a long time ago. There's a company called Danimer Scientific and they make materials out of PHA, which is another type of resin. Really cool stuff. Like has the has the potential to like dramatically change packaging. You know, Pepsi makes that investment and then people will turn around and just go and criticize Pepsi because they're one of the largest produ- like polluters in the world. Well, I'm like, but they still made the investment. You know, and, and you could argue like, maybe they're doing it for PR only maybe, but I feel like most of the planet's not evil. So like, I'm going to go with math here and say, like, there's a good chance. Those are good people at the helm (laughs) making the investment for the right reasons. (laughs) Good chance. There's definitely some evil folks out there, but like, there's a good chance that they're, they're doing the right thing.
0: Well, that's another thing I love having the show notes from you is that the idea that people are inherently good. They just need more opportunities to do good. And that especially in a world where there's like a choice between like profit and these companies perspective and doing the right thing. Like if we can make that choice easier as consumers by voting with our dollars, I agree with you. I have to believe people are inherently good at their core. And like you said, nobody thinks dumping plastic in the ocean is a good idea, probably including the people dumping the most plastic in the ocean.
1: Totally. And I think one of the biggest things that businesses can do like one of our focuses as a company is like, how do we lower the cost of being green? Right? Because like we get this feedback all the time. It's like your products are expensive. And I'm like, well, they're expensive right now because they cost a lot to make relative to their more polluting cousins. You know, like you, you made the comment, like I, I have a rough idea on how much more money your packaging costs for wellness than the traditional stuff. Like we live in this space. Like when I make a phone case out of our materials, I know it's about 400% more money to make that case than traditional plastic. I know that. Now, it used to be 800%, so it's coming down, right? But I think that businesses have to look at like, so green, so eco-friendly, sustainable products, for a long time, that was a way for companies to just charge more. Like they found a different way to position, and there was a consumer out there that wanted that and was willing to pay for it. My thesis is that if we really want massive global change, this needs to become the new normal, right? And the only way it becomes the new normal is we need to make these kinds of products more affordable over time. And that is where that is where big companies come in because their supply chains can do it. They have scale, they've got all kinds of stuff that's really important to like taking something and cutting its cost in half and then passing that back to the consumer. And So I, I just, you know, like even Lomi, like Lomi right now to me is way too much money. Like it for scale, you know, like I work backwards from the dishwasher, like every single home, almost every single home has a dishwasher. Nobody can imagine their life without a dishwasher. So the question I ask is how do I put a Lomi in every single home so that you've just stopped one giant source of waste, even if it was just food and food was no longer going to landfill in the United States. The impact of that is gigantic. So I, I work backwards from that question. And then I start asking myself, like, I can only lower the cost of the machine so much in cheaper, better materials, more scale, cheaper, cheaper labor, all that stuff, right? Automation, yada, yada, yada. So then there has to be ways to engage governments, big business, other people to help lower the cost of a Lomi for every single house. You know, so then the question I've been asking myself is like, how do I make it free for people? Cause that would be cool.
0: Yeah. And then people would hopefully actually use it and reduce that huge amount of waste. Let's talk more about that too. Cause I've seen some of the like information you guys have in the videos. I haven't gotten to try it yet, but I'm excited to the concept is amazing, but give more detail of like what all can go in there. How fast does it work?
1: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So we've been working on this for three years. Works like beautifully well at this point. It's so it's, I mean, you're familiar with the composting, right? And what that looks like so the big the big thing for people to realize is like we're not saying let's take a, the compost process which is usually about six months you know depending on environment conditions all that stuff right um to get mature compost which is nice and healthy put that in your garden mature compost we're not talking about taking that and condensing it into like uh a day that's just we haven't i don't think that's actually possible My science team is still trying to figure that out, but like, it's hard, it's hard to do. So what we're doing with Lomi is we're saying, can we take the first 80% of the composting process and put that into like four hours, 12 hours, 20 hours. So like when you go to bed and you start Lomi and you've put in all your kitchen scraps from dinner and the next day you have dirt. Like by the time you get to the next dinner cycle, that rhythm of the family, what comes out of Lomi can go into a garden right so it can take in all manner of food waste you know no avocado pits no bones you know it's it's going to be sort of like we call them recipes you know different types of things that you put in lomi are going to produce different outputs like my wife the other day we've had a lomi at home now for two months um and we're start we just started shipping them to customers this week like we're ramping up production and my wife put in soup and I got up in the morning and I'm like, she just took like old soup and like threw it in Lomi. And I got up in the morning and I looked, it was Lomi. I'm like, honey, why does it look like soup? She's like, well, I put soup in there. So and I'm like, well, that was like, so she was like, I was just curious to see if it could actually turn soup into dirt. I'm like, no, it can't. It's way too much water. So it's really good at vegetables and fruit and uh, it can take in meat. So like, you know fish and meat which typically wouldn't go in a compost because of vermin rats raccoons that kind of stuff you can put that in a lomi with all of your food it's not going to do really well with like if you just stuffed it full of pizza like bread and and cheese like it's hard to turn that into dirt but yeah like whole foods it's really good at that you know like most people's regular everyday cookings and kitchen scraps uh coffee grounds paper towels You know, like it's really good at taking all that and then making, turning that into dirt. And the cool thing is like the dirt that's coming out, um, we have one cycle that we call grow mode, right? So it's, it'll run for like 20 hours that will actually have like macro micronutrient density. Like you can take that and put it in your garden and it will be healthy for your garden.
0: That's amazing. So I, like, I know you probably don't want to give away too much, but is this like a temperature heat chemical change? Like how is this happening so fast?
1: So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, good composting is, uh, heat, humidity, oxygen, and bacteria. You know, the, the last one is the one that like freaks people out, right? It's like, you actually want good bacteria, microorganisms, like you want all those little critters. Cause that's, what's eating things like when leaves fall in, in the fall, uh, when they fall on the ground, you know, mother nature digests those. And that's like, that's worms and bugs and all kinds of little. You know critters that do that so Lomi works is that we actually give the consumer a little it's like a little tablet you know what think of it like a probiotic right so we every time you run Lomi, you put in this little tablet and that tablet is that is something that we've worked on which has like it has the right microorganisms the bacteria it, it helps with smell which is sulfur you know like it's doing all that work so the machine is effectively It heats, it's got cycles in it. So it heats up and and cools down. Temperature inside of a loamy, depending on your cycle, will run between 160 and 220 degrees. It's monitoring humidity. You know, like we want dirt that comes out, like we want the output to actually have some humidity. You don't want just like dehydrated, dry dust. That's not good. You know, you wouldn't put that in your garden. Like you're not going to grow tomatoes and dust. So what it does is it's trying to mimic. Mother nature as much as possible. And we're just using energy and a little bit of science to get there faster, right? So that that, that it's more convenient for people. That's like the super high level of how it works. I actually probably couldn't even give you the like legit science behind it because I pay people for that and they're way smarter than me. <laughs>
0: That's so exciting though. And incredible. And I feel like I've been encouraging people to garden in whatever form they can, even if in an apartment, totally. like, do a container garden, this feels, feels like such a perfect addition. This is like,
1: yeah, it fits it. people who garden love this. Like this is going to be like massive, you know, like you can, you can buy less dirt, right? Like it's, it will feed your garden for sure. We grow, we have actually grown uh, tomatoes, peas, like solely in loamy dirt here in the office. Just to see, like, is it healthy? Like, and, and we have like our lab has all the stuff to test like the health of what comes out of a loamy. And it really a lot of it depends on what you're putting in, right? Uh, which cycle you run, how long you let that output sit afterwards. Like I collect most of what comes out of my loamy, I collect in a bucket in my garage and I kind of let it just sort of mature over a few weeks. And then I'll go throw it in my garden, um, like one of my beds. So it's It just gives you a lot of flexibility right it's like if you love gardening and plants and you know all that or you just hate food waste it's going to be good for you
0: awesome well and i I think like this is such an easy swap and i love your comparison to a dishwasher i hope things like this become as much a part of our daily lives as the convenience of a dishwasher this episode is sponsored by june shine a delicious kombucha-based adult beverage that many people are turning to in lieu of beer or spiked sparkly drinks. Juneshine Shine is better for you alcohol and there's a reason it's becoming so popular. It's made with only real organic ingredients and unlike many alcoholic beverages, they are transparent about every ingredient they put in their products. It's brewed with real organic ingredients, has only 3 grams of sugar, making it low carb and full of probiotics. Best of all, it doesn't leave you with that I'm too full after drinking feeling, and it gives you a lighter, brighter buzz. Juneshine is sustainably produced. They are 100% carbon neutral. They donate 1% of all sales to environmental nonprofits. Their brewery is powered by 100% renewable solar, and they plant trees for all those used to make their boxes. And now they deliver straight to your door. I've worked out a special deal just for you. Receive 20% off plus free shipping site-wide. I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs. It's a great way to sample all their flavors. Go to juneshine.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama at checkout to claim this deal. So again, that's j-u-n-e-s-h-i-n-e dot com slash wellnessmama. You can also find them at over 10,000 stores across the country, including Whole Foods, Safeway, Kroger, and Publix. This podcast is sponsored by Just Thrive a company very near and dear to my heart, as I have seen the difference firsthand that their products make with my own family, and I've heard from so many of you sharing your positive experiences as well. I truly love all of their products, but I have to highlight a few that I love especially much. Their breakthrough award-winning probiotic is hands down the best one I've tried. It contains a proprietary strain called Bacillus Indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants directly in the digestive system. But they can be best absorbed by your body these are also heat stable probiotics meaning they can actually survive the harsh environment of your digestive system and get where they're supposed to go their k27 is the first all-natural pharmaceutical grade k27 that supplies the optimal recommended dose for heart bone and tooth health i'm also currently obsessed with their prebiotic drink which tastes like a delicious tropical drink and it creates a noticeable improvement in my digestion and another quick tip their probiotic is heat-stable, so I can easily add it to smoothies and even baked goods for my little ones who aren't great at swallowing pills yet. These are some of the only supplements I take with me when I travel, and I recommend them to friends and family all the time. Check out all of their products at justthrivehealth.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama15 to save 15% on everything. So that's dot com. Forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness mama. What are some other areas of household waste that are a good focus? Like if someone's like, okay, I'm tackling food waste now. what?"
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> the big one for me is like, I, I go by room by room. So kitchen and bathroom, you know, so bathroom is really like, it's surprising how much waste comes out of the average person's bathroom. You know, that's everything from like shampoo and soap bottles to wrappers, uh, toothbrushes, toothpaste tubes, makeup, makeup's a massive one. Um, I know people right now working on like better makeup containers, you know, the way that we do it in our home is we go room by room and we just look at all the easiest sources of waste that we could swap out, you know, like, are there, are there better versions, better as in less wasteful versions of those products that we're consuming fairly regularly? Um, Q-tips. That's a good one. Like there's lots, there's definitely additional alternatives now to Q-tips. These don't seem like big things, but like they add up to pretty big numbers when you go house by house and you realize like everybody has a morning routine, you know, and that morning routine typically involves a lot of plastic. So like, how do you minimize there? Kitchen's the same way? Kitchen's tougher though, because like you can only do so much in a grocery store before you're dealing with packaging produce. You can mostly get away with buying without plastic on it. But even then, like how many times have you seen a, 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 a bundle of bananas wrapped in cellophane? It's like, why Why did you do that? Like, we don't need to wrap it in plastic, but it happens. So, like, if everybody did a little bit in that area, in those two areas, your impact would be pretty pretty substantial. And, and I think like, what I like about those two is it doesn't feel like you're being told to sacrifice.
0: I agree. I feel like, to your point, like, if the changes are easy and just can be swaps, people will be willing to make them. And I feel like in a lot of cases, if you're intentional, not only are they as easy, they can also save money. Like that was our intent with wellness as well. Like if things are multi-use, like our shampoo can also be a body wash. Our conditioner also works as shaving cream. Like anytime something's multi-use, you've eliminated a whole thing of packaging or I I invested in a company called Branch Basics that makes a cleaning concentrate that you can use for literally everything in your home. So now you're down to one bottle versus 12.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's wild how many products. So like, this is such a good topic, like cleaning, all cleaning, the base components are all almost identical they've just changed the bottle, <laughs> right? Like you, like body wash and shampoo, when you look at them chemically, they're not that different. <laughs> you know, there's certain, like there's special types of shampoos for di- like there's different hair types. Absolutely. Like it's highly personal, but you got to realize like most of the way thing, most of the way things are in, in what you buy and what we consume is marketing. It wasn't actually a better product it was just better storytelling. Like we told people like, no, 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 you need this kind of body wash and this kind of shampoo instead of what it used to be. It was just like, you just washed with whatever soap you had and it was probably fine. Right. Um, cleaning solutions is a wicked, wicked area where like the number of bottles, like in an average home of things to clean your house when they are fundamentally almost all the same,
0: and 90% water and
1: 90% plastic bottle. Water. Like that's what you're
0: paying for, is like yep. some fancy scent and 90% water when you can make that at home.
1: Yep. Yep. It's pretty uh I think the yep, it's really disgusting. I, I'm I'm a marketer myself. So like I get it, you know, it, this is what you do, this is how the world works. But yeah, people can do a lot of damage in in, in a good way by just looking at some of those categories and realizing that most of what they're buying is marketing and it's not actually a better product for the job they're doing. And there's better alternatives and even like space saving, man, so much space.
0: Well, and another one, I'll just address from the women's perspective, like the women's feminine hygiene is a massive plastic exposure area and horrible for women too. And now thankfully, like with all the innovation, there's totally natural alternatives like diva cups or compostable, biodegradable options.
1: So much. Yeah. Yeah. My wife turned me on to a bunch of this stuff and it's, it's like, I didn't even realize how much waste was there. Like as far if you think of like waste in terms of streams, right. You know, feminine hygiene, holy crap. It is
0: way more it, than plastic straws. Yep.
1: Way more. Right. Like, and the amount, yeah. Cause think of like, there's not a lot of plastic in a straw, but in certain feminine products, there's a ton of plastic and you're right. Like BPA phthalates. It's like, there's so much nasty crap. In a lot of plastics too, that are used that we are putting on or in us
0: in a highly vascularized area that the is yeah. taking all of that.
1: Yeah. Pretty freaking terrible, you know? And so like that one for, for women who are listening, that is an easy one like to go after. Right. And, and you'll be healthier.
0: I have hundreds of testimonials on that blog post on my site from women who switched to a diva cup, yep. which is easier. You can change it in the shower. It's super easy. Yep. And their cramps went away. They stopped having all these weird symptoms. I'm like, who knew it was because you're putting chlorine and plastic in your body? Like,
1: yes. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it is funny. Like one of our core values as a company is, is, um, we call it like taking care of the whole, right? So like the whole, what the whole, like the whole planet, the whole person, your community, your family, just think of everything in terms of whole and that we're all connected you know, everything. Right. So like it often, what is the case is that what is good for you personally from a health, whether it's mental, physical, anything, psychological, uh, or sorry, spiritual, it is good for the planet. And that is how, like, that's how I look at it. You know, it's like, if I do something that's good for the planet, it's probably also good for me, especially when it comes to like plastic and, you know, what we drink from eat from eat like all of it. You know, you have to look at what, what are you putting on or in your body? And that matters. If you have a choice, like if you are in the really great fortunate position to choose these kinds of products, they are actually better for you fully.
0: Exactly. Well, and I, to circle back to what we talked about at the very beginning, we didn't really go as deep into the chemistry of plastic as I was, I want to make sure we touch on this because I think some people don't even realize we're talking about a petroleum byproduct to begin with.
1: It's oil, yeah. It's friggin' oil. Like it's you know, like you wouldn't drink gas in your car, but we we take byproducts or derivatives of of this thing that we pull out of the ground, and we make all kinds of stuff out of it. And like to me, it's again, there are good uses of it, and there are bad uses of it. Like I hate drinking out of plastic. I hate. I just hate it. It doesn't. It doesn't even like the water tastes weird. You know, like y- you just. Yeah. I think that once you start cutting it out of your life, you'll realize how much of an impact it's actually been having on you.
0: Well, and there's a lot of evidence to show that these plastic byproducts, especially in the like short-term use plastics that break down a little bit more easily are maybe some of the reason we're seeing early puberty in kids, testosterone totally. decline in men, like all these health problems are so tied into this as well. And like you said, it can take literally hundreds of years for this to break down in the environment. So it's not going away. Like even if we reversed it now, we still have damage to undo. do you see an innovation happening in the cleaning up the plastic that's already saturated the planet realm?
1: So there's a ton of happening in ocean cleanup. I'm not super familiar if they're doing anything with like the human body. like th- this is the crazy thing is like we all actually have plastic in our bloodstream right now. That's how pervasive this is. Like if you really want to blow your mind, go Google, Google that that it's actually in you, right? So I, I don't know about that, but I definitely like there's some really cool ocean cleanup projects on the go you know some that are very well funded and you're getting more and more funding because like the important thing with the ocean and i'm sure you know that like it's like it's half the world's food supply right Is coming from the ocean now it may not be half of the american's food supply or canadian but like it's half of the planet's food and so if the ocean dies we die as a species it's not good right so like you guys live near the ocean i live near the ocean it's people who live near the ocean automatically have an appreciation and a respect for it. I don't know what it is. It's like an energy thing. I I don't get it. I just know, I feel it. So it's such an important part of the ecosystem. Again, take care of the whole, we have to take care of the ocean. So I think a lot of cleanup is focused there as opposed to say landfill and land-based waste, right? It doesn't show up and it's not as visceral as when it's on beaches and in the water. So, you know, most of the money is going there right now.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to, like I said, to see the innovation happening and for you guys doing at home innovation is really, really exciting because you're making that jump easier for so many people.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the reason that what I did, I don't know if I ever told you this, but like the biggest argument against electric cars until Tesla came along was there's too many gas stations. So like, nobody's going to switch to an electric car. There's too many gas stations. And then along comes Tesla is like, well, we'll just put them in your home. And then anybody who's ever driven a Tesla will tell you the thing that they love the most about their Tesla is never going to a gas station.
0: Oh, yeah. I actually, it surprises a lot of people. I drive one, even though like people are like, what about the EMFs? It's a giant battery, which I've tested. It's actually not nearly as bad as you would think, but it is so convenient. I forget that gas stations exist.
1: Yep. And when you have to go back to a gas station, you're like, oh my gosh. So by building that infrastructure and giving it to the person instead of to a centralized authority, which is like oil and gas companies. That's our theory on waste is like how much of the waste in your home can we actually give people technology and solutions to that it's their choice now. Like they they have power, you know, like the, we're like the, the number we've sold oh Man, how many are we at now? Lomi's only been in market for about five months, right? Where we've actually been taking pre-orders. I think we're almost at 50,000 of them at this point. And number one piece of feedback we get is it makes me feel like I can do something by far. Number one, it's like, all I got to do is put food in here, push a button and I'm helping sign me up. And that's why I think like people are inherently good. It's just that they're not all they're ever told is they're, they're doing bad things. You know, news media, government. I mean, geez, the, the concept of a personal carbon footprint was invented by a oil company that was British petroleum. PR thing, right? It's like they created the carbon calculator for people to put the onus of carbon footprint on people. So all as individuals we're always told, like, there's just not a lot you can do. It's hopeless. And all we did was turn around and say, well, you actually can do something. All you gotta do is push a button. And it's amazing at how much that resonates with people. So I think there's so much innovation to come in this space. Right. And I think that it's going to be consumer led. I don't actually think it's going to be government and big business led. I think it's going to be bottom up in the same way that Tesla has figured out that demand for their cars comes from individuals getting it, realizing how awesome their life is with this new type of car. No more gas stations, way less service, no oil, all the things that like you just forgot. You didn't even realize you didn't like it. Like you and I had Stockholm syndrome from gas stations. (laughs) like we didn't even realize how much we hated going to the gas station until you don't have to go anymore. And then it's like, it's not a chance I'm ever going back. So how much of your life is like that?
0: Yeah. It's such a great comparison because it's like, it made it accessible and also fun and solved these problems. And you guys are doing that too. Cause like, even if, even in places where there are commercial composting facilities, yeah, it doesn't matter the barrier of going there and having to drop them. Yeah. It's like a whole big ordeal. And now it's just in your kitchen and it's just as easy or easier than throwing it in the trash.
1: Totally. And and the, we're selling like the majority of our loamies are being sold in areas where they actually have green bin or food pickup because people don't like that. That was a government solution that was put on them To say, hey, just put all your food waste in this gross little bin under your sink and we'll pick it up once a week. But like when it comes time for you to bring it out, which is usually every day because we produce so much food waste, right? Like those little bags that the food is in, like it's just slimy and smelly. It's not a great experience in the home, right? Garbage has never been a good experience. We've just, we have Stockholm syndrome. We don't know. Like we've just been held hostage by, by garbage and gas stations, and all these other things. And it's a weird way to think of it. It's just how I think of it.
0: I think that's a great perspective. And as we get closer to the end of our time, I'm curious, are there any other unknowns or misunderstood things about this? Because I feel like we jumped in big with like tackling recycling being not what we think it is. Are there any other areas like that when it comes to this world?
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, there is, definitely is. You know, I wouldn't say unknowns, but what I would tell people is, one of the biggest things you can do, one of the best things that you can do is actually just, just take one week out of your life. One week, that's it. You don't need to do this all the time. And pay attention to the types of things that you throw out, right? Plastic is always made out to be the devil and it's usually the worst. But like, look at how much glass and or paper, steel, like metals, you know, like pay attention because... I think that once you know like this is sort of what all the waste streams are, it really informs your purchasing and your like your lifestyle. Like I had no idea how much plastic we were using. Like I didn't think we were bad as a family, and then I, I guess we you know started paying attention to it. it took, took a, like a week. even a day would probably be enough for most people. And like if you have a family of five or six, a day is enough. like you there's a lot of waste going on in a day. And, and I think that would open your eyes. And then like, to me, that's what got me on this path of like, well, where can I actually help? You know, whether it's in my own home or just like, I'm an entrepreneur. So like, I'm going to go out and build businesses around this now. I would say I would go there. Like most people never even think to think of like the different types of waste. All they see is like a bag full of garbage. That's all they know. It's like, I take it out every week. It's just weird to like open up the garbage bag and look what's in there.
0: That's a great. Great piece of advice. Another question I love to ask toward the end of interviews is if there is a book or a number of books that have had a profound impact on your life, and if so, what they are and why.
1: Oh, okay. So my favorite book, I, I, I probably gift this the most, and recommend it the most, uh, is called Influence by a guy named Robert Cialdini. It's an older book, but it, it's just so eye-opening into how we make decisions as people and how emotional of a creature we are. Right, when we think that we're being analytical and you know we're actually being pragmatic or logical, people would say like I'm a super logical consumer. I'm like, no, you're not. You're an emotional consumer, just like the rest of us are. Right. So like Chaldini, uh, influence, and he's got another book, persuasion that comes that's like before influence. For understanding how marketing works, I think consumers need to know more about how marketing works so that like they can see it when they're they're experiencing it. You know, Bill Gates' latest book on climate is super fun to read. He he actually explains things in a really nice way, like really complex science, right? It's like distilled down in a way that like, it's enjoyable to actually, like to understand here are all the levers in the environment, like how important is concrete and steel, um, how we plug in, how do we move around transportation? Like he kind of breaks it all out. I love that because it gave me a different way of looking at the world, particularly when it came to like, just environment in general. My gosh, you know, fun books for me are all of the Yvonne Schwinard books, like let my people go surfing. And like, he's the founder of Patagonia, right? So like, he's also got a a bigger book out, which is like his life and stories. They're just cool stories from like the fifties and the sixties. Cause this guy, like not sixties, like 60s, seventies, eighties, nineties. Like he's in his eighties now. And you know, he was like a dirt bike, dirt bag mountain climber that started a really big business. And he just tells all these stories about all these climbs and these outdoor adventures. And, you know, I'm an outdoors guy, so I love that stuff. Gosh, I read a lot. So it's, like, I can go like super nerdy here for you. <laughs> I'm super into crypto right now. Like there's just so much that I read.
0: Well, I will link to those in the show notes. I'm glad you brought up the, my people go surfing. That was when I read a long time ago and I'd forgotten about it. And I think it would be a great gift for a friend. So
1: It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Like if you're building a business or even if you're like a community leader in some way, you know, understanding culture and, and, you know, like leadership, I just think it's, it's great to like, if you want to be a leader, it's a great book.
0: Well, those will be linked in the show notes as well as links to both of the things we've talked about that you've created that we have today. Sure. Anywhere else people can find you online or where's a good starting point to keep learning about this?
1: I'm only on Twitter you know, I try to keep like social media exposure really, really minimal. So yeah, Twitter slash M Bertouli, just my name. You can, if you Google me, I'm easy to find.
0: Awesome. Well, all of those links will be in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. Thank you for your time today. This was such a fun conversation. Hopefully it gave people some good hope and good direction. And I am really grateful that you were here.
1: Yeah, no, this has been fun. This is a lot of fun. It's, it's also great to see you again. It's been a minute. <laughs> it
0: has, yes. I'm glad we finally got to catch up again. And yeah. thanks to all of you guys for listening, for sharing your most valuable assets, your time, energy, and attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me?